This episode is supported by ArcIT Section Cut, the interactive virtual conference from our friends at Monograph and Twin Motion. You'll hear more about them later in the show. Welcome to the Troxel Podcast. My name's Evan Troxel. Wow, episode 50. Here we are. No time for reflection right now, however. Maybe later. In this episode, I welcome Joanne Louis and George Valdez of Monograph to the podcast. Joanne Louis AIA is a registered architect and content strategist at Monograph. She is the founder of the Women Architects Collective, which is a Facebook group. It's a community and coaching for women architects who want to be heard, be seen, and be known in their work journey. And she's previously an architect at Gensler, which we talk a little bit about in the episode. George Valdez was previously on this podcast. You can find him in episode 11, and I'll have a link for that in the show notes. George is the head of marketing at Monograph, so obviously they work together. And he's also the co-founder of the New York Architecti Meetup, which is now just a Slack group, I believe, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And his previous experience at WeWork, Paperspace, Superform, and Iris VR, among a few other places. So George has definitely been around the block, and he brings a lot of great experience to his marketing position at Monograph. So with Joanne and George on the podcast, we got into their passion for architectural practice operations, working on the business rather than in the business of architecture and the profession at large, the importance of building communities, the upcoming architecturally appropriately titled Section Cut Conference that Monograph is putting on, and more. So without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Joanne Louis and George Valdez. Joanne and George, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you both here and nice to meet you, Joanne, for the first time. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to be here again. So I wanted to start off with just some quick introductions. You guys both work at Monograph and Monograph is doing a lot in the world of kind of practice operations. I know like there's a newsletter that I'm a subscriber to. You guys have an upcoming conference that we're going to be talking about, kind of big picture stuff there. And so I would love to, Joanne, start with you and get a, a quick kind of introduction history, where you're coming from, what your perspective is, and like, where, where, how do you fit into this whole thing? Sure. So I have been an architect myself for the past 10 years. I went to architecture school, worked in an architecture firm. I worked at Gensler for the past six years got my license and everything. During my time as an architect, I built a community called Women Architects Collective. It's a Facebook group. It has like over 3,000, I don't know, 3,400 people in it now, I think. At the same time, I was also kind of building my own personal brand on social media with the Facebook group together and kind of building this community of architects and when i first found monograph 
first of all, the monograph brand is just so beautiful that I think anyone looking at their website will be like, wow. Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, this brand is so cool. So I um, reached out and kind of started talking to George. And we talked a lot about not just not just marketing, but more like building a community of architects, which is where I kind of come from. I have I just love having a community of architects, especially online, because I feel like there are a lot of events and like, you know, AIA local chapters or schools or there's just a lot of lectures and stuff like that, but just not a lot of kind of just free flow of idea exchange Mm -hmm. online globally as a platform so that's something that I've always been interested in doing so I joined Monograph and started building out the content side of Monograph but also building a community at the same time which was always something that we wanted to do. It's it's interesting that you built this community while at a firm, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's a, it's a big firm, but I think there's a big difference between like the, the community of the firm, which is kind right. of a captive, you're automatically default into this community and then going outside and building a global community of mm-hmm. people who opt in to that, who want to be a part of that. Those are two very different things. It's so hard to build a community inside a company that people are already associated with. I feel like that's where I've I've struggled with that throughout my career as well. Like there's there's always kind of subsets of of the overall population that that group right. together and have similar interests or whatever, but building a a big community that is meaningfully sharing tips and tricks and experiences and ways to not have to start from scratch yourself. And, you know, there's so many ways that a community can help people develop professionally and, and personally. And there's so much friction inside of firms to do that, I feel like. So I think it's really interesting that you kind of pulled out and went with Monograph because Monograph is able to kind of see into all these firms that are out there and, and touch them in a way that can really kind of facilitate that, what you're after, right? Building these communities. It's, that's a, a fantastic kind of strategy. And I don't know if you would have called it a strategy or not, but it's, <laughs> it's a, it, it is, that's kind of what it is, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, it's like, it's, I think a lot of time when you're inside a firm, you feel like you don't, you don't know if you want to talk about certain things, right. like, Kind of charged. Things are kind of charged. Yeah, (laughs) you don't know if like you should talk about it or what's going to happen if you talk about. But when you're outside and connecting with other people, you get to share more ideas, and that's something we want to do at Monograph is kind of facilitate that sharing of knowledge Mm -hmm. because we feel like architects have a tendency of, especially when it comes to operations and management and business, like. Like I never learned about business of architecture right. when I was working until I got thrown into being a project manager without really any training. Is it kind of just they kind of just totally. throw you in and you know, and it there's just not that knowledge sharing even within the firm. I know for, like across different companies, 
So we just wanted to facilitate that environment and give people that platform to share. Yeah, great. So, so George, give us an introduction where where you're coming from, how long you've been at Monograph now, maybe maybe a little bit what you did before that. I think we haven't talked since you've been in Miami, like over over a call. I I might be wrong about that, but I'm just wondering how much more Cuban you feel right now. I'm actually uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is oh, okay. So you're just you're outside of Tampa, okay. not too far, but it's outside of Tampa, which is supposedly a stronger, well, not stronger, but old, older Cuban community in some sense. But so you're on the Gulf side, yeah. Yeah, I'm on the Gulf side. Okay. Yeah, I mean, where, where I came from, I so trained as a landscape architect and an architect, and since then went into tech right after running the accreditation for Columbia. Fast forward to joining Monograph, I've been here about. Close to two years, so about. I just actually saw that today. It was like a year and nine months. So, in in throughout that time, it's basically been trying to apply a lot of the lessons learned from working in different places. Uh, essentially, all kind of centered around. Initially, maybe maybe more relevant was previous work at WeWork, where we had mm-hmm. to work really cross functioning with the marketing and sales teams to deliver spatial experiences in new markets that would help to drive basically like try to hit 80% occupancy goals for like new, new projects and whatever. But what I learned along the way was the power of community within the tech industry. And there was always this kind of sense of longing for me, at least of like how to bring that to architecture in some way. Mm -hmm. As an example, there's conferences in the tech industry that are all about sharing the secrets behind how you grew from zero to a hundred million in revenue does that exist in the in, in architecture industry? No, it doesn't. Why am I laughing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like, and, and I think, I think, I think part of it has to do with this sense that if you like somehow that that's the differentiator. And there's multiple lenses in this. One that's like the the sense that it's the only differentiator. The other is maybe something to do with the, the it's the history's own baggage in a sense mm-hmm. from the AIA particularly when it comes to like you know all the all the regulation that changed throughout the past hundred years you know and, and how that's had an impact on people having conver- candid conversations about things like fees obviously we're very conscientious of that and we you know there's a lot of lots of respect on that front but still like the exclusive of talking about fees talking about the tactics the marketing tactics the strategies the enablement for business development teams in in your organization those type of things should still be shared um, primarily because one of the things we see in the tech industry is that it helps and facilitates the movement of talent. Right. You know, when people can actively share their, their tips, their tricks, the things that they've learned, the special things that make them unique as individuals that they bring to organizations, it allows for more mobility, right? It could be that another firm is like, Hey, I want to hire that person. And it becomes more competitive. And I feel like anything it's the the anti-competitive nature of talent in the industry has been is been stifling and so for monograph we take very strong positions on this we want to enable the idea of not even looking at, at team members as staff or resources necessarily but looking at them as talent uh, and and figuring out ways of through community to help that kind of knowledge share for for many other reasons but i think that's one critical one is to enable people to find the challenge and the fulfillment in in what they're doing in a different way. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's clear, but but yeah, it's it's something. It's it's along those lines of like helping the firms become more transparent 
about how they're operating to lift the industry. If everyone keeps working within some sort of silo, guess what? It's going to be a lot of navel-gazing and a lot of other companies coming in that are more verticalized, that are actually willing to share, to learn faster, learn from each other's failures faster, and then be able to move at an agile pace that I think the, the industry still, to some degree, believes can't be done. Yeah, I and agree. I, I think you're, I don't you're right on because the one of the big issues you see this within like the the subculture of architects, right? You you even started a Slack group about yeah. the, about this, and they're they're more naturally open to sharing and trading these secrets in air quotes, right? Because <laughs> they're not because everybody's doing the exact same thing a million different mm-hmm. ways and reinventing the wheel over and over again. So you see this kind of subculture of people who are more willing to share these ideas and because they they don't hold them as sacred. They don't they're not that competitive where all of that stuff is IP all the time. It's just interesting to kind of hear it again and again and again that that this is still pretty broken within the profession. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I mean I think like you see instances of it. I mean, one of the things that we're circling around and thinking a little bit more deeply about is what is the future of operations within the firm? And it's likely we're, we're coming to this conclusion potentially that it's within the quote BIM teams of, of firms. Mm-hmm. And it's likely part, part of that has to do with they're already kind of in open source mode or they're already kind of in this continuous improvement mode um, in what they do. And, and they're also the most technically savvy in a world that's becomingly what might have been big data in the past is actually very accessible data today, right? It's it's becoming more available and accessible via APIs, via uh, different tools now that should make, you know, any new firm starting today kind of reevaluate their position on that. Like, should they take advantage of all the existing tools that are available to start from like a very tech-enabled type of firm? And the BIM teams, I think, if they were to be given more agency and become operational leaders within the firm, which it's starting to happen, you'll see, you now see the rebranding of that group as like digital <laughs> practice. You know, you're seeing it and it, it, you, there's a kind of reshuffling there, right? Design sure. ops like yep. Schamberger at Woods Baggett mm-hmm. and some other folks are doing. So when that starts to happen, I think you might see a kind of reevaluation of how you know, operations works across the firm in its totality. But anyway, that that's it's like sort of an aside, but I feel like that's like something we're also noticing within the industry right now. That's a, that's a good observation. I, 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 I align with that running digital practice at HMC for, for years. And it, and it's, it's like a mini startup within a company. And I think, you know, you kind of, I'm sure Joanne, you experienced this at Gensler. Like there's, there's like, there are examples of these startups in different ways within larger companies mm-hmm. where they're really feeling like they're pushing boulders uphill. And you also kind of talked about a different scenario, George, which was starting from scratch, a new firm tech enabled with really evaluating what the opportunities are via APIs and connections and automation and all these things that we can we can automate operations to a certain extent, which in an old firm is very hard to break into doing that. I mean, Joanne, working at, at Gensler, 
I'm sure you saw examples of that. And, and, you know, you said you didn't get trained in business, but you probably saw the inefficiencies of a, of the most profitable architecture firm on the planet, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure that, that you saw like, uh, the, this kind of polarization happening inside. And, and part of it is like, well, yeah, we just kind of expect it to run. And maybe we start to get into the, the topic here of, of, working on the business versus working in the business. But I'm sure you saw that polarization at Gensler too. Like you see these inefficiencies and then you're like, but what can I do about it? It's so hard to change things here. And that's just an Gensler as an idea. Like there's every, there, every large mid to large firm is kind of like that Mm -hmm. in some way. Yeah. I think every single firm I've been at probably has some kind of inefficiencies. It's, it's more, I, I feel like it's more, convincing people to learn new systems or learn new technology and while architects are very good at design tools like BIM or Rhino they use Grasshopper Dynamo like all this really cool virtual reality is a thing now and they do really cool design things but they're not willing to put the effort into their operations or their business and even maybe using a simple tool like like a task management tool is like pulling teeth (laughs) right everyone just you know or even just using slack or teams it's like no i'm gonna stick with emails and it just creates all this really inefficient workflow that don't have to it doesn't have to be there, but it's just like they're just used to the way it's always been. And when it's not about design, when it's not about showing something cool to the clients, it's like things that are behind the scene that no one is going to see. It just is become second thought and no one think about them anymore. Yeah, I think that there's a, a certain amount. I mean, just to have a, an empathy to the people who are opposed or, you know, less willing to change as new technologies become evident daily, right? Like it's, it, there's definitely a fatigue to that for sure. And digging in a little bit more, there's a lot of wiring that's gone on to get to this point and it is so hard to unwire and change. And we as a profession or as professionals within the profession are also always thinking about, okay, I want, I want to explore new things in design. I don't necessarily want to explore new things in communication or email or messaging. And so it's like, it becomes a matter of priority. And I think that like, that's just a very real conversation that people are tired of having. (laughs) It's like, really, we're going to talk about another new app that can do this or that. And, and so I, I mean, just to be empathetic, like it's, especially in large organizations, man is so hard to change that kind of thing. And and you guys on the monograph side are trying to tackle that. You know, that's uh you're trying to you're you're coming in with what you absolutely consider is a better solution in so many ways. And George to kind of get back to your point about the the BIM teams and their you know, you see them as the future leaders of this kind of movement within within the practice of architecture and because they are the ones who are more tech enabled and savvy and they're, they know what an API is and they know how to connect things and automate things. And 
also set standards, which a lot of people see as handcuffs, whereas a BIM team sees them as freedom. So like the more that you can use standards across a firm, the more time you get back to do something you really want to do, <laughs> you know, as a, as a designer or as a project manager, because those systems do become more and more automated. So I, I just wonder, maybe, maybe now we shift into the topic of, you know, working on the business versus in the business. I think working on the business, which is what you guys are talking about with monograph and what even digital practices are, are doing, they're working, you know, if they're overhead, they're working on the business. They are working on trying to make things better for everybody. But that is a hard pill for somebody who went through design school to swallow because they're not working in the business. They're not working on a project and that's what they went. That's what they were trained for. And that's, they live and breathe design and, you know, making somebody's dreams come true through the synthesis of all those ideas into a reality. So, I mean, what, what do you guys come across at monograph in, in those kinds of themes about working on the business for versus working in the business? And I mean, what are you guys doing to kind of help facilitate this idea of working on the business gives you freedom to do more in the business? Part, part of that is through our webinar series and how, how, what, like basically what we're trying to do is bring on speakers that bring a different take and are willing to share their experiences on that. Shane Balcom is an example, managing director at Rossman Architecture out of Quebec, background in tech, mostly sales, mm-hmm. marketing, different roles, comes in, to, gets brought in on board through an executive headhunter to join an architecture firm led by a firm owner who sees the vision or has a very strong vision of what the company could be with better operations. And he starts to instill the one-on-ones with his team on a cadence. And he, uh, he's going to actually be talking at the conference, which we're very excited about, where he's going to unpack like his actual workflow, like the cadence that he uses to run his team. Find, he, he comes in and finds somebody on the team that's interested in operations, has like a real natural knack for it and you know, a propensity and a desire to develop that. Makes that person a, a leader in operations. Starts to remove the work from the project management teams on accounts receivable, like all like uh, invoicing, making sure clients are paid, removes that from their hands and lets them project manage, uh, right? And like deal with the client relationship more and fo- focus on that more, which is more in the business. So, you know, I, I think it's like telling those stories is how we are able to impact some change and, fi- and figuring out ways to distribute that, that type of story more effectively is, is a way we get there. And, and what we're seeing is that that pattern holds true. A lot of the really well-run offices in general have some sort of dedicated operations team that is more concerned about focusing, like how to enable everyone else to, folk, to, to do their best work mm-hmm. in relation to that role that they're doing. What's unique about someone like Shane, however, is that you know, the feedback loops that are being brought to bear on people that work in the, in the business, it's just, it's a faster pace. We're not talking about one year reviews. We're talking about by, you know, every two weeks, every, you know, month at most having a one-on-one with each member of your team or your direct reports to really get a sense of like, how do they feel? 
What's their morale? It's like, it might seem like, like more of the kind of people management uh, side that some people shy away from in architecture, but it's critical to enable your team because half of what they're doing is psychological, right? It's like, they're, uh, you know, to the point about, you know, the community you're, you're sort of forced to be part of in a firm, all that comes with psychological relationships, right? It's like, how am I going to be effective with my team member? All, all this kind of like baggage that you don't have no outlet for. Mm-hmm. And that one-on-one with a direct manager that can get, help provide guidance and course correct, help you course correct and give you that sounding board. Like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this? Like, how should I be going about this? Like that that changes an entire team, an entire culture. So it, it's th- that's kind of what we we've been noticing is that in those those firms that can that can operate that way, that have a culture of transparency, which many of the of the firms that you'll be seeing at the conference are big advocates of. Craig Sexton Partners, um, based out of Chicago, they really uh, one of the reasons why they went with Monograph to begin with was because we were talking so much about transparency, and because we we enable that in in the tool itself. Same with Verdant Studio, based out of Arkansas. So we you know we're starting to see that kind of emerge, especially with you know leaders that have grown up, let's say millenn- millennials, maybe for for lack of a better word, but people that are desiring that want to model their organizations in that way. So we're starting to see that it's kind of like people, people are now starting to realize the importance of focusing on the business relative to in the business. Mm-hmm. And the, our part in that is just amplifying that, making it easier to find those people and hear their stories. It seems like you guys have found alignment with, you, know, you found each other. The internet enabled this to, for these alignments to be exposed. Absolutely. And, and then I, I think that's what I like so much about working at a, in tech is at at a third party like let's you're not in a firm so you're facilitator kind of naturally and by by stating who you are as monograph or as any one of these tech companies who frequent this podcast often right is you you put it out there you put who and then these alignments and people opt into these relationships then they opt into these communities and i feel like that is such a breath of fresh air to create and con- be able to connect the dots between this, these layers and these individuals in all these different firms, it becomes like, like a very constellation kind of an idea. And you're creating this network. And, and then each one of those people can re- reach out to their localized, regional, or their firm and pull additional members into that. And it, it's a really fantastic way to build community. And then you just need a place to have those conversations. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. I'm wondering how you guys are facilitating those conversations now that you're becoming this kind of you're you guys are what I would we'd call a puzzle maker, a puzzle builder. And what you're talking about even in within these firms is you, there's directors of operations or digital practice or whatever who are also puzzle makers within their organization and they see how all the pieces fit and their value. And it's like I want to enable you to do your best. So I'm going to take this off your plate to do that. Monograph, you guys are doing the same thing on a, a different scale. You're saying we've got this thing that can remove friction so that you can fly. And so I'm wondering like how you guys are actually facilitating those conversations to happen. You know, conference is still in the future. So what are you doing in the meantime to to enable that? And and Joanne, I would love to hear how you are doing that with the 
Women's Architecture Group on Facebook as well. Like you got you guys you found a place. How did you decide the place that you wanted to collect these ideas and these thoughts and kind of make it so people could collaborate and communicate on that level? So for for the Women's Architects Collective, it's it's more it's I think a little different because it is like just a right now it's really just a Facebook group mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just people talking to each other on the platform. I wanted to build a community like that. Mostly at the beginning was I was just I was just frustrated for seeing my friends or my coworkers staying quiet and like not have anyone to talk to with their own struggles when they're like, you know, struggling through their careers. They just feel like they don't have a mentor or they don't have anyone to talk to. So I made a platform just for them. You have someone to talk to. It's, it's, it was a really simple yeah. <laughs> beginning. Yeah. Um, and it grew, it grew pretty exponentially over the years. But at Monograph, we have a few different initiatives that, that try to have these kind of conversations around practice operations. We have our blog, which most architecture blogs out there are about design or buildings or showing pretty renderings. We focus our blog on practice operations. We talk about the business and the operations side of thing. We do, like when George was talking about um, how tech companies shows these case studies on like a, a tech startup growing from zero to I don't know a million dollars. <laughs> um, we we do case studies for big architecture firms like like the big architects uh, where we still also have a few in the works. Um, just kind of sh- sh- bringing the behind to scene out to people so they can learn for themselves if they are starting a firm or trying to grow a firm what other people are doing that they can take some of that techniques or strategies to use in their own firm mm-hmm. also are building out a community that is in the works right now but we're going to have a community where we facilitate conversations on top of the webinars that we do every single week that's probably one of our most popular i think initiatives that yeah. we have right. everyone loves the webinars yeah so and and also the conference that we have coming up but all these kind of different different things that we do i think help help kind of create an online space for for people to talk about the things that no one talks about how are you facilitating those conversations after the webinars is that the the clubhouse group that you guys have or is it something else uh, right now, we're trying to move the conversation to our community, uh-huh. which is hosted on a platform called Circle. Okay. But most of the recording from our webinar, we're also posting it on a podcast right. where people can also listen to. So that's where we're pushing our conversations to. 
Yeah, I, just just to jump on the clubhouse. Uh, shout out to uh, Chris Morgan on our team, who also trained as an architect, who joined the team and did a stellar job of not only taking over the webinar and turning it into a podcast, but also initiated a lot of the clubhouse conversations early on. We moved away from that platform okay. ultimately because we felt that one, it was really helpful to stir conversation and to like learn a bit more of what what a community might look like on that level, but the just because of the nature of clubhouse the attention sort of dropped off it got a little bit of a hype and now it's kind of a little bit dead so you know we love to take those opportunities to kind of explore something and experiment and see where it can take us and we we learned a lot from that that ended up influencing the newsletter immensely and then it turns out it's it's really hard to start a social network (laughs) no yeah i mean well i mean and i think it's still it's still really highly used within in tech and maybe some other aspects, but you know the the limiting functions of a lot a lot of things there. Just not, not everyone has an iPhone and all that kind of make it very limiting. But this was a saying like we have this community. I think we, we should just say community.monograph.com oh, yeah. um, for you to join if you'd like. And and that's going to be a really just making it a, a place where you can easily search for categorical conversations related to practice. So like. It's not an AI forum. It's not gated. Mm-hmm. It's available for people to to look at and contribute to. And it's distinct from other places like Arconnect and Reddit, right, which are kind of like unstructured information. Free it's, yeah. it's free for all. And it's also not easy to search. And, what, and, and it's also a lot of student-related conversation. We really wanted to focus it more on um, people within practice talking about and sharing tips and and us on on one side also helping to seed that community with some of the things that inspire us the the conversations that we're hearing from tech that can be applied to the industry itself whether that's how to hire for talent conversations around how to even run an effective staff meeting there there are videos out there that actually go through this from experts at at huge uh, amazing tech companies and so that's kind of like what we're hoping to do uh, in general with that and 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 grow that out to be a really thriving part of, you know, this kind of new community around practice operations. This episode of Troxel Podcast is made possible by Twin Motion. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Our friends at Twin Motion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash trxl. That's twinmotion.link, not .com, .link slash trxl. Monograph. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. 
With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph? It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment to the community, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with a goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. And ArcIT. This time we've got another fantastic review of ArcIT from somebody working in our industry. Here's a quote. Our company has worked with ArcIT for many years. They are very skilled, competent, thoughtful, and thoroughly professional network experts. They have helped us resolve mission-critical issues on more than a few occasions. Due to their in-depth IT knowledge and the tech industry in general, we regularly consult with them before embarking on new IT projects. They are highly recommended. And that is a quote by Jackson Ng, who is the Director of Technology at Bar Architects. So, as business owners and architects, how often do we think about our IT provider? Typically, only when things go wrong. And for many of us, unfortunately, this happens too often, especially with the latest emphasis on remote work. I know that I've had to deal with my fair share of IT fire drills. Not pleasant. ArcIT, however, is a very different kind of company. They specialize in serving architecture, design, and engineering firms. And their goal is to help you use technology as a competitive advantage. This means that they understand your technology stack and they won't waste your time and money learning how your tools work within your process. Combine that with industry-leading response times, proactive remote hardware management, and solid disaster recovery and backup solutions. That's something that everybody should be thinking of, honestly and enterprise-grade security management. And yet, above all, these are just table stakes for a solid IT company. ArcIT goes a step further. They become your strategic partner when it comes to planning, budgeting, and integrating new technology into your business processes. So all of this sounds expensive, right? Nope, because ArcIT is highly specialized. For our industry, their pricing is on par, or in some cases even lower than other IT providers. ArcIT is transparent and even publishes the pricing right on their website. Uh, Speaking of their website, there's also something else you should check out when you're there, and that is their Design Under Influence blog and video series. Again, adding value to IT-type solutions across industry, all good stuff. So your business deserves a competent, responsive, and proactive IT partner. Reach out to my friends at ArcIT for a free consultation. So go to getarcit, that's G-E-T-A-R-C-H-I-T dot com, arc-like architecture in the middle, and click work with us. So thanks very much to ArcIT for sponsoring this episode of the Troxel podcast. And now let's get back to our conversation. I, I think that the community aspect of it is the most important part of running any new business. It, you've got to have this kind of forward momentum in a, in a, I don't want to call it a single direction, but like in the same direction, <laughs> you know, and in order to create that, you need a framework so that you're not always saying like, how do I do that? Oh, let me design it from scratch again. We, we need to build on the knowledge, the experience and tweak it as we go, but we need those resources. I mean, and it, it takes me back to thinking about when Robert, had section cut 
and I had an account there. And it was like post resources, like let's make a collection of resources for people within the profession to not have to go do a global Google search and sift through ads and distractions. Like let's make one place where I can find a resource like a book on studying for the ARE or a podcast about architecture or whatever that is. And and it's interesting that we've kind of come full circle with that now. And you guys are starting Section Cut, the conference, which is all about resources. And it, it's about creating a place for that to happen. And so it, I guess my first question is, when did it become obvious that Section Cut needed to be the name of this conference? <laughs> full circle. So good, Evan. I love it. You're so good. That was such a great setup. The conference name came about, we were, we were trying to like come up with different names to try to underscore. And we thought of like the word foundation and something like that, but it didn't, it didn't kind of make sense. And I think it was in one conversation when I, I just, it just, it, it just hit me or something. I just, the epiphany. word came to my head, an epiphany <laughs> of sorts where it was like section cut. And then it was like, oh, that's a good metaphor. Cause yeah. Operations is the cross section of a firm. Right. And then I, I hit up Robert and I kind of like pitched it to him and he got excited about it, which was a good signal. And, and yeah, and I think that, that, that kind of really sealed the deal for the name. It was just a, a, a really fortunate. We've uh, already got the domain. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of backstory to that actually. Yeah. The, the domain is a long story. Uh, there, there's it's more, more to dive into, but it's sufficient to say that we did not have the domain. Okay. Yet. Okay. But yeah, more more will be revealed over time. Right. But yeah, the 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 conference and itself just made total sense. And like, this is kind of like the future of operations is to like not view it as silos, but actually to be able to zoom out and be able to see how each of these you know functionally within an organization, each team contributes to some sort of lever, right? That can streamline the project delivery process and enhance client experiences, which then lead to more referrals, lead to more work over yeah. time. And it's the flywheel the, idea, right? It's the flywheel idea. And, but having basically the, our sort of argument and thesis is that over time, there will be less of a focus on committees operationally, right? Where it's like, Oh, if anybody really wants, it's, it's more about like people that are passionate about a certain topic that could have an improvement to the business kind of ad hoc meet together and there's some support about being able to do that, but there's very little executive ownership or support necessary to push through any of those initiatives throughout the entire organization. So with the idea of section cut, it's really thinking also about like, well, what if there were more of a dedicated team over time that actually, you know, obviously less accessible at the small firm, but, you know, medium sized, larger firms that's really focused on elevating these conversations and picking apart which of these initiatives have the most leverage for the entire firm, right? That can Im improve the entire firm holistically mm -hmm. and then focusing resources to make those things happen. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, we're basically trying to set the stage for what will happen in a couple of years where we start to articulate this, this idea more deeply, which is a little behind the scenes in terms of how we think about marketing too. But it, it's kind of the beginning, essentially. That's great. I, I, I love it that you're alluding to a bigger plan and plans change, but yeah. having you, you can't do what you're doing now without that goal in mind. And I think it's really important to say 
again, I think this comes back to working on the business versus working in the business. People who work in the business are very focused on the immediate project and they've got those blinders on and they can't think about all the projects and all the firm and where are we going and what's our vision and how we're going to get there and do these clients align with that and do these projects align with that and how do we make decisions about which ones to accept and which ones to deny along the way because they either feed that those ultimate goals and vision or they don't it's so hard for people to get out of that tunnel on the, when they're day to day working on projects because all that matters is this one project right now and maybe I'm on a couple of other pursuits but those are, aren't real yet. It's it's really interesting to hear you guys also talk about this from your perspective to say, yeah, we've plans will be revealed. We're going in this direction. We've got this bigger idea. And I, I'm, I'm just really happy to hear that because you're not, again, it just shows the kind of leadership attitude that you have of we're working on the profession. We want to, we want to make it better for everyone. And we are all in this together. And I think that's a general attitude that, that's definitely a mindset that I have, but it's a mindset that I see that is lacking within the profession that we're all in this together. And, and the tech community is really good about kind of reinforcing that we, no, we actually are like, I can just email you that file. It's not a big deal. Like you can have your own stadium generator too. I don't care. But when it comes to working in the profession, it's really hard for people to think like that and get out of their own way. So I, I'm, I'm fantastic. It's fantastic to hear about the conference and the ideas that you guys are are going to be putting forth there about basically giving people shortcuts and giving them experiences. So who who is the audience? Who's the ideal audience for the conference? Who are you guys inviting? Who do you want to show up? So basically the audience is, let's say from an industry perspective, it's architecture firms, landscape firms, interior design firms, and engineering firms. So what we would call together design professionals. Mm -hmm. One level deeper, and when we're talking about who makes sense to attend, it's from the firm owner to the project architect. We think that everyone can get something out of the the, the experience. We have three different types of events. So we have a couple keynotes, which we'll announce soon. We have success stories from our customers talking mostly about their firm and how they're organized, like the actual operations of how they work. And, and some of the success stories that they've had using Monograph. And we have workshops, which are completely where we bring in people that we just really admire to talk about specific topics. Uh, we have Rena from Charette Venture Group talking about finance for the small firm. And it should be also noted that we have three different tracks for those workshops. So we have the small, medium, and large firm so that people, you know, in this industry, a lot of people feel that it's only applicable to them if like the lessons of a 10-person firm aren't applicable to a five-person firm. And so we wanted to make sure that it was easy to self-select in what what kind of uh, workshop you felt you, you could use. But all of the content will be available after the fact. So it's just more of that day of experience. So everything from finance to growth, we have a performance marketing expert, Hope Troy. Um, who actually works with us as well. And she's going to be giving a talk on like Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads, which is very seldom used, but very powerful, right? When you consider that the average revenue amount of a specific, of an architecture project is in the thousands. If you had the chance to bring that deal in for a couple hundred, why wouldn't you, yeah. right? There's right. like, why wouldn't you use these type of tools to help, help you expand your reach? And then to the large firm, we have people like Lebo Lee, Call, former colleague of mine at WeWork, 
who is uh, now CTO at Catalyst DI and is going to be teaching us how to set up a database, uh, I think in Google BigQuery, and how to like actually use data to enable teams at any level, right, to have access to that data and be able to to use that data to make inform initiatives and, and improvements to the business. And we one of the, one of the other events I'm excited about is um, Isel Santos, who is currently the director of the Jedi program at uh, the Jedi Group at HKS, mm-hmm. talking about um, diversity and inclusion initiatives and the potential ROI for that and which what what they've been seeing. So it's 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 all over, but all all of them really have to do with like improvements to specific parts yeah. of of the company of, of a company, and so yeah, it, it should be be really a lot of fun sounds like it reinforces the ideas that you put forth in the newsletter and the webinar series and and i'm even joanne kind of again going back to your the, the facebook group is with a conference like this now you guys have the ability to build a community or add to your community with with this so are you guys are you guys thinking about it in that way as well and maybe take us a little bit down that that story because I think it is a powerful opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So we are planning to do a kind of big launch <laughs> of the community. A kind of conference. big launch. There's our show title right there. <laughs> um, we're gonna do a launch for our community at the conference. Right now, we're still seeding the community with people that we want to invite in like our webinar guests, experts that we've talked to, other people in the industry that are interested in the topic of operations. So we're kind of inviting everyone in and trying to build the community uh, before the conference. And at the conference, we will invite everyone in uh, from the conference and continue to have these kind of conversations after the conference so it doesn't just stop up to one day. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I, I think cont- giving people ways to continue those conversations and make continue the connections that they make from that kind of nexus event. I've been watching Loki on Disney Plus, but uh there you guys have this this event and it's going to be a catalyst for the, these conversations to continue. And again, like people have to have a place to continue those conversations because if they just go to email or something, they're going to just wither off. Like they, there's, it's really hard to keep momentum there. So people need to continually be reminded. They have to see the notifications pop up to know that the activity is there to, again, just be reassured that people are there going on this journey with them and that mm-hmm. we are doing this together. So I think it's a, it's fantastic that you guys are thinking about it at that level because it is such a hard thing to pull off. I'm again glad that you have this kind of long-term view about it because it does take time to to build this to reinforce it. You kind of have a chicken and egg problem, which is content mm-hmm. and resources and an audience. You got to have both. You got if people are showing up and talking and searching for stuff, you got to have stuff in there. But you're not going to get stuff in there without those people contributing to it. So that, that's a. I think every kind of platform creator struggles with that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, Joanne, when she mentioned seeding it, it really is kind of that activity. It's like, how do we start to add really good content there ourselves first so that it doesn't appear as an empty place? And as people start to come in, they feel comfortable contributing and they have the con- the right context of what to contribute in a sense or how to contribute. 
it's hard for people to structure that information too, right? Like if you, you guys are providing that, you're sounds like you're doing a lot of work behind the scenes to structure the information so that it is searchable and findable. And it's obviously specific to practice operations, it sounds like. So you've got you've got some boundaries that you're operating within. But like my podcast, it's easy for someone to show up and have a conversation because there's we're just going to have a conversation and it doesn't need to get keyworded and tagged and transcribed unless I want it to. But that's that's an easy ask to ask a somebody who's in kind of a mentorship position in an operations group in a firm to just come in and have a conversation about it. But now if you ask them to write something, oh, no thanks. Like they're like, oh man, that's low on my list of things I want to do. So how are you guys kind of approaching that about actually grabbing this knowledge and experience and cataloging it on this on this platform? There's a couple of different ways. One has to do with like, with our webinar, as an example, over time, you'll start to see that a lot of those webinars will be transcribed and be added to our blog, right? So it's just like, how do we take our existing content and turn it into different formats mm-hmm. that appeal to people at different rates of consumption, right? Like they want to consume content on their own terms. And so let's give them that option. With the community itself, I think that's a little bit different. It's just more like different types of media will be shared on that front. And it's more about, you know having dedicated community managers that will kind of prompt people like pull, try to pull interesting questions that then people answer then maybe use that what's what someone answers as a jumping off point to additional content that structures that and makes it like a really good resource right so it's like how do we take the knowledge and just repackage it in different ways that are going to be really helpful for everybody right and not just kind of buried which is always the problem of a lot of great communities online that there's might be a lot of conversation, but it's not digestible. You can't really reference it again. It's kind of buried. So that that's kind of how we're 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 looking uh, at that front. I wasn't expecting to go in this direction, so take take it or leave it. I have an interesting idea here about Monograph as a group, and maybe even what led to attracting someone like Joanne to your team. How did you guys choose yourselves to be these? the facilitator of these kinds of conversation, resources, information. Why did you choose yourselves to be that that group of people? Because I think ultimately it, it probably did lead to your ability to attract a community builder like Joanne and somebody who is an expert in social and digital media and all, all of those things, right? So how did that, how did, why did you guys choose yourselves to be that person? And And I think the bigger question that maybe this leads to is, you guys are hiring some unconventional job titles, responsibilities, roles, but you might say that they're necessary. So unconventional in the sense of architectural practice or operations for architecture. How do you see that being a, a model for firms to follow? Because I think the idea is that they they need to do the same things. That's a, that's a really deep question. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's why I no, said take it or leave it. <laughs> no, no, I think it's awesome. I mean... Finding someone like Joanne is not easy. Finding someone like Chris is not easy. And everybody on our team is not a very easy. Yeah. No, no, I would say no one on our team is very easy to find. Like just for context about, I'd say maybe a little bit over half of our team or we're close to 30 people now have some interest or have touched architecture in some way. Yeah. Whether it's that they 
used to work in the industry or they have a significant other that works in the industry. And there's a kind of like draw that they're, they, they're drawn into the mission, a sense of what we're trying to accomplish, which is amazing. That's what you can hope to find, people that really care about what you're doing, not just the thing itself in some sense. And there always has to be some alignment between what the person's ultimately doing, right? Their role and what they're deeply passionate about aside from your company. That's, that's critical and their own career and all that. But finding, finding that is actually very difficult. And we, we do make kind of like, we recognize that as the co-founders, Mo, Alex, and Robert, they all come from architecture, mm -hmm. right? And they kind of transition into technology. And so we kind of all, A, recognize the Swiss Army knife approach of architects, which is really critical, which gives us a really, I think, interesting opportunity to find people that, are, that would otherwise, you know, not find a really good home within the industry and, and bring them onto Monograph to help, help on our mission. But that's kind of like a little bit of the hiring strategy in a sense is like, Find people that really first care about what you're doing first, and then that that might not be not, might not have been given the same chance if they were working at a different firm or you know, but they have the the drive and motivation and definitely the skills to do it. They're just sort of like overlooked in some sense or just not well not well placed. Oh, well, there's only three tracks in an architecture firm, right? There's design, technical, and management. <laughs> Right. I mean, traditionally. And so if you don't fit that slot, right. it's very hard to kind of find a trajectory out, out of it unless you go into something else like what you guys are offering. Yeah. And, and so, and so that's kind of like, and, and so to make me to the answer to the question of like, why are we, yeah. your question was sort of like, why are we the one? Why did you choose yourselves to be the ones to, to be the facilitators? Yeah. I mean, it's strategically, it was just a really open opportunity. Like yeah, nobody was I really agree. owning that. A lot of cool companies coming, a lot of friends of ours, different, you know, you know, that are building their own community specific to that, but no one was really like focused on practice operations. Mm -hmm. And that was an area that we felt we could contribute to and we could create a really great brand around. And and I think even... Let's say for, for those that might be listening that are interested in marketing in general, uh, and you know, always please reach out if you are, because uh, it's always great to find marketers. You know, strategically, this is something that we think that all firms can actually think about more deeply, that marketing is not just posting to social media the project that, project that you want. It's like really diving deep into the, into the needs of the people you're trying to service. Where is the opportunity in providing them information, content, community building, everything that we're trying to apply here at Monograph can be done by a commercial office, you know, a firm that's dedicated to commercial offices or a firm that's dedicated to hospitality, right? Like there should be a firm out there that's building amazing YouTube content on, on what it means to design amazing hotels. Yeah. Like, you know, like go and visit hotels and talk about and just, you know, the detailing in different hotels, even if it's not your own work, but like build that audience that sees you. Yeah as the person bringing that conversation together. And it's, it's a like, business builder and it's a talent attractor engine, yeah, right? All that. Yeah. yeah. So Joanne, when, when George is talking about this stuff, I keep thinking about you and I keep thinking about how you saw that opportunity and you saw that. So can maybe we'll finish up here, but like, just tell us how did you decide to get out of working in the business to going to a place and helping work on the business? I know you're kind of, already thinking in those terms but but how did you actually make the leap personally 
Yeah, so I personally struggle with what you said before is when you're in a farm, you're only stuck in three tracks, mm. right? Design, technical management. And to me, first of all, I, I feel like an architect should be well-rounded and it shouldn't be stuck in one of those tracks. That was always my thing that I struggle with in any size of firms that I have worked with. And it was something that I, I always knew there was something I wanted to do that's bigger than just designing buildings. Not saying designing buildings is not big. It's huge. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. very important. And I love it. I love designing and I love drafting and drawings. But I always struggled. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a millennial in me, but I always struggle seeing the inefficiencies in firms i was at at gensler i was a a, what we call a process design leader basically my role was on top of my regular architecture job i was uh kind of trying to improve the the efficiency of productivity across the project teams and trying to find technology or trying to train them trying to find new ways to help them work more efficiently. And I always struggle with just seeing how inefficient we are yeah. <laughs> as an industry as a whole. It was something that always bugged me every single day. It's working like heavy sigh. You know, there's a lot of heavy <laughs> sighs when you're like, oh, really? Yeah. You're still doing it like I, that? <laughs> exactly. So I, when I uh, first saw Monograph, I saw their website and I was like, this is, this is the company I'm going to work with. And at the time, they weren't actually hiring yet. And um, so I reached out to George. We actually met on the Architecty Slack group that George uh, is a part of. And I reached out to George. We started talking. And I have a background myself in marketing, social media, blogging. And I've been doing that for just myself for for the past few years and it's it's hard actually to find architects that are interested in marketing there are not that many of us mm. <laughs> and i think george and i just kind of clicked and we we're like this is a great opportunity to work together so i started working with monograph kind of just on a contract like part-time level and eventually they were hiring for a full-time position so i joined yeah the lesson there is just try to figure out some way to work with somebody (laughs) on some level when you find somebody that's really interesting and you want to get to know them more Um, and it's a really good way to kind of start that relationship you know as a a small early stage startup you you also have to be conscious about how you know your your budget in a sense in a sense so after we raised our Series A, it made a lot of sense to start building the marketing team out, and it was a no-brainer. It was like the first the first thing I did when I found out was I think reached out to Joanne. Well, I, I reinforced that idea fully that it's a great way for someone like Joanne or or anybody in that position to prototype what that job would be like without fully committing to it and like making a big change in your career, you know, in air mm-hmm. quotes trajectory. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, I wish that there was more ways for people, I guess, I guess it's, they, they exist, but people don't necessarily take advantage of those. 
they fully cut the cord and then they fully jump over to other thing and then they find out if they like it or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough spot to be in. Everybody who's been in that spot hates it. It's not, it's not good. So I, I, again, like endorse this idea of if just try to find a way to work with somebody and, and mm-hmm. feel it out and figure it out together. And I mean, there's, there's going to be information that you get out of that. There's going to be lessons that you learn in that. And then you're going to be able to say yes or no much easier than you could making that big decision of, of fully jumping from one thing to another and kind of getting out of that lane into a parallel lane or a, or a different lane going in another direction. So, Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk about this today. I'll put links in the show notes to the conference and to the community, but I wanted to give you guys kind of the final opportunity just to plug anything else, any links, any places people can follow you online and, um, let people know how they can get involved or watch what you guys are doing if they're only comfortable with that. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll just kind of uh, kind of go through the list. So essentially, yeah. every Thursday we provide a, a we do a webinar, a fantastic webinar series every Thursday, uh, led by Chris on our team. Next week we're interviewing HP, the CEO of Olson Kundig, as an example. And we have a lot of more exciting uh, announcements on, on guests that are going to be appearing on that series. More to come. We also have a job board uh, that's not for Monograph. It's actually for our customers and for those in the industry that want to post jobs um, and make it accessible and visible to our growing community, essentially. So it's, a, it's, a, it's essentially free for our customers. What would normally be a $125 sort of ad somewhere else, we offer for free for our customers. And we help them grow, right? We, we're very much interested in helping them find, you know, people to, to be on their team, especially those from our community who we know are much more interested in operations yeah. and already have that kind of propensity. The community is at community.monograph.com. You can sign up through there and, and kind of start to check out what's going on. It's going through some changes at the moment, but it's you know, we, the more the merrier, as we say. And am I missing anything, Joanne? We also have the podcast available anywhere on Spotify, Best Practice Fireside Chats. Um, we have a lot of content. We have our blog. So uh, many things. It's kind of crazy the output that we have for, for such a very like relatively small team of content creators. It's basically, I mean, I wouldn't even consider myself to be that much involved at this point. It's Chris and Joanne who are spearheading all of it. And I, I'll hang my hat on that any day that we have an ama- one of the best marketing teams in the industry, bar none. Like, and you're we, doing a service to the firms that are out there. Like, it, it's not just all about you. I think that's one of the biggest exactly. downfalls of marketing teams is that constant p- post of of a rendering or an initiative or a pat on the back that's internal. And it's and you've got to flip that. And you've got to make it about everybody else. You got to make it about your clients. You got to make it about the profession. You got to mm-hmm. make it about the talent that you want to attract. I mean, to underscore that, our mission, we have a mission statement as a marketing team that is basically to educate and inspire the world's design professionals to be better at business. That is the umbrella. Everything that we do is to service those two key points of education and inspiration. And that's what you're going to see coming from us week over week, year over year. And, and, and that's going to be the unattained, that's like the kind of North star that will be, uh, yeah, that drives everything. So, 
And well, it's important to have that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's that's fantastic, and it's it's really cool to hear that your group has a mission statement of its own, and everything that you do is in service to those two points. I think inspiration education is fantastic place to be and it's easy for you guys to see if what you're doing fits that or doesn't it makes it easy for you to say yes or no to anybody's crazy or amazing idea (laughs) right (laughs) well thanks joanne and thanks george for taking the time to talk today and i hope that everybody signs up for your conference and learns a lot and contributes and becomes a part of that community yeah, it's on August twelfth. By the way, I don't think we actually had the date. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, but Throw it's that August, in at the end. Yeah, August twelfth. Uh, I'm sure we'll have it in the link and everything else. But yeah, it's, it's an all day event. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of great people will be speaking, and it's going to be a different type of presentation and conversation that your uh, people aren't used to. I think, and also we're not using boom set on, like the AA did, so. It's gonna be, well, well, <laughs> So it won't be a complete train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, sorry. Don't mean to jab. But yeah, no, it's going to be well produced for sure. Awesome. Well, I I can't wait to to attend and uh, I'm looking forward to August 12th. So thanks. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you both. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Troxel Podcast. And once again, I would like to thank Arc IT for sponsoring this episode. Visit their website at getarchit, that's G-E-T-A-R-C-H-I-T dot com. Thank you to Twinmotion for their support of this episode of Troxel Podcast. You can visit twinmotion.link slash T-R-X-L, or I've made it easy for you. Just click the link in the show notes and download your copy of Twinmotion for free. I'd like to thank Monograph for their support of this episode of the Troxel Podcast. To reserve a seat at their first ever interactive virtual conference, visit sectioncut.com today. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. You can see all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. You can help support what I'm doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out and, of course, share it with your friends. I'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at trxl.co slash podcast, where you can find every episode. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Just search for eTroxel. Talk to you soon. Troxel.